I need it every day. We all do. We need it every day. Because the Bible tells us that we wrestle not. Jesus said we're, we're in a battle against. Jesus said we wrestle not against flesh and blood. You have to remember that. Especially marriages. Uh, what's, what was the very first thing the devil did in the garden? He tried to destroy a marriage. And that's the very first thing he did. He tried to destroy a marriage, break up Adam and Eve, and break up a relationship between man and between a marriage and God, and that's what he likes to do. So how does you, how, what happens in a marriage? You fight, you argue, you don't get along. And Jesus is saying that you're not having a fight with your wife or your husband. Your, your fight is with a, with a darkness, with a power, with a, a spiritual wickedness in high places. He's tell, told us that. So you might not think it, but that's what it is. And the only time we have a real problem with somebody is when we have a bad attitude. Can I get an amen to that? What happens is you can be in a good mood and then someone get you in a bad mood. But once you get in a bad mood and they're in a bad mood, we got a recipe for fire. Amen. And that's the problem is, is you get down, you get angry, you get a, out of swords, you start saying things, his mouth is a, is a sharp sword, and next thing you know, your life stinks because of all that aggression. All that, none of that comes from God. None of it. God's, God's spirit is love and joy Amen. and peace in the home. Peace in the heart, peace in the home. I don't know about you, but a peaceful home is a great place to live. Amen. <laughs> Uh, long suffering he didn't say that for any for just no reason long suffering he gives you an ability to no matter if the other person might be affecting you it doesn't affect you because you're long suffering you're gentle you're meek amen you're not trying to jam something down somebody's throat you're not trying to to make you know your point that i'm right you're you're long suffering you're gentle you're meek you have faith in god and that faith gives you a it makes a shield where your faith can withstand almost anything. I believe faith can withstand anything. I really do. No matter what the devil can do, he, what he wants to do is take your faith. So we've been learning about that. I would like to pick this up if, uh, where we left off, at least where I think we left off. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And then we're going to 2 Corinthians ch- uh, uh, chapter 11. But uh, I'd like to just reiterate some things that we need to make sure that we all know. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. It says, Lest Satan should get an advantage of us. For we're not ignorant of his devices. But the problem is, is most people are ignorant of his devices. The, it, the devil gets an advantage of us. See, we, we kind of have a, a, um, a Hollywood idea of Satan, of the devil. We have a Hollywood idea. And Jesus tells us the truth. He says, the devil comes not but to what? Rob you. To kill th- things that are living in your life. Not to kill you. Even though he'll, he'll get people to end their lives with depression and darkness. But it says and destroy. Destroy everything good in your life. Destroy everything you've worked for. Destroy all the testimony. But when, when he says destroy, he's not talking about your, 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 just say your, just say your business, your home, your mansion, your finances. He's talking about the things that God has built. Reputation and testimonies and all this. And a destroyed testimony is worse than any destroyed home. And so therefore, we know that the devil comes to, to rob you of the good things that God's given you. Amen? That's what he wants. He wants to rob you of the good things that God's given you. What's the greatest thing? that What does the Bible say? Is your strength. It's your joy. Amen? The fruit of the Spirit is love. Tries to rob that. Joy tries to take that. So we're not... It says, don't let the devil get an advantage of you. And that's how, what he does. He, take, he gets an advantage. And we talked about that, I think, in depth. But it says, we're not ignorant. But the problem is, is you, we have to not be ignorant that this is how he's trying to get you. He tries to get you subtly. He's subtle. He gets in your mind. 
whispers in your ear. Get your thoughts. And that's why we've got to have the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation. Because the helmet of salvation, you know what it makes me think of is the devil tries to get you to believe you're not saved. If you can believe you're not saved, all of a sudden he just brought you from here way down to here. And he tries to definitely get you the sword because the sword is your only, your only weapon back with him. And the sword is what? The word of God. So the devil's going to try his hardest to get you not to, to read your Bible. He does not want you to read your Bible. And then if, he does, and if you do read it, he wants to have your mind so, so messed up with other things that while you're reading it, you're not getting anything. Amen. You ever been that way reading, but you're really not getting it because your mind's somewhere else? But you're reading it because you know you should, right? Well, that's what he'll, he'll make sure your mind, because he doesn't want you to get it. And the worst thing is, please, whatever you do on the devil, I'm talking as a devil advocate here, do not memorize it. Please don't ever know verses. Because if you know verses, then you can recall them at any time, and you can whack them with that sword. See, there's things that we have to know what his, how he gets advantage of us. Amen? He wants you to think you doubt your salvation. He wants to do not read your word and don't memorize it. Whatever you do, don't talk about it. Amen? But the thing is, is he wants to take that shield from you. Because the shield of faith, he's always throwing fiery darts. That's what the Bible says. He throws fiery darts at us. Well, the only thing that we have is the shield of faith. And when those, when those fiery darts hit the shield, what happens? Nothing. That's the thing. So he wants to take your faith. Jesus said to Peter, Satan desires to have you. He wants to sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for you that your faith fail not. So we know that what the devil wants to do is just take Peter's faith, take your faith. So with all these things, we see how he can get an advantage of us. So let's, let's look over in chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians. It says in verse 3, it says, for I fear. Now, that means he, he's, he's really worried about the church there. Lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, he says, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. The simplicity that is in Christ. I, I'll tell you right now, with the Christmas season, I, I, the more I study and the more I get closer to God and the more I learn something like we're going to preach about on the 11 o'clock hour, the more it makes me love Christmas more. Not because it's the date, because it's about what God did in coming to this earth. And being born flesh. We're going to learn about that at the 11 o'clock hour. But man, the more I do, the more we should celebrate this amazing birth of Jesus Christ. Greater than anything else on the, on the planet. We should celebrate, celebrate, celebrate. And so I'm glad. I'm glad that we do that. But the, the Bible tells us that lest the serpent should beguile you through subtlety that your minds, you'd be corrupted by, from the simplicity that's in Christ. The simplicity is this, it's pretty simple. I have been saved. Amen. Not by any of works that I've done. I've done nothing to get it. I don't deserve it. And I don't, uh, he gave it to me. He gave me a gift. Amen. He doesn't take the gift back. God did the saving. God did the saving, not me. So therefore, when I start to get low, I have to remember the simplicity that it has nothing to do with me. It's all about him. Right? Amen? And, and the simplicity of the gospel is that not only did he save me, but he loves me. Amen. Not only did he save me and he loves me, but he cares for me. And he loves me and he cares for me and he, and he protects me. And every single thing that, that's going to happen in my life is God wants me to prosper and to do right. And to do good. Amen? So my point is, no matter what that old devil can get in my mind, I have to, the simplest thing is I belong to God. 
And he goes on to say in verse 4, For if he that comes preaches another Jesus, another Jesus, I want you to think about it long and hard, think about it the rest of the year, whatever you want to think about the end of this year, another Jesus. What kind of, could there be another Jesus? I'll tell you what, there could be another Jesus. Uh, uh, Somebody trying to tell you um, that maybe you could lose your salvation. That's another Jesus. Because Jesus said, if I, if I have you in my hand, nobody can take you from me. Nobody. So if you think you can lose your salvation, that's another Jesus. Or if you think that I have to do good works to keep my favor with Jesus, that's another Jesus. Because Jesus didn't teach that. Or if you think that, that um, you're going to go through the tribulation, that's another Jesus. Because Jesus would never let his bride get punched in the face by Satan. Get spit on by Satan. See, he did that for us. He took the punching. He took the spitting. He took the torture. He did, so that us, his bride, will never have to go through that. See, if, if someone's trying to tell you that you're going through that, that's another Jesus. Do you understand? That's not my Jesus. That's not the Jesus of the Bible. He's not only the King of kings and the Lord of lords, but he's the Savior of my soul. Amen? And I know where I'm going when I die. It's simple, everybody. We have a God that never changes. We have a Jesus that when he gives us his word, it's his word. It never changes. Do you understand? We just have to get faith in it. And it's simple. Childlike faith. But the devil's going to try to mess your minds up. Look what it says. If, if he comes, preaches another Jesus whom, you have not pre- whom we have not preached, or if you receive another spirit which we have not received, or, <clears throat> or another gospel. See, there's so many different others out there, and, and we don't even realize it. Anything other than what this book teaches is another gospel. Anything other than what this book teaches is another spirit. Anything other than what this book teaches. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, and, and he just got done saying the simplicity of it. It's simple. You're either saved or you're not. You either have Christ or you don't. And if you have Christ, you, you are saved forever. Nobody can unsave. You can't even unsave yourself. Do you understand that? You're going to heaven. You might as well get used to it. And you better start to get ready for it. Amen? You know, God loves you. Whether you're good, bad, or ugly, doesn't matter. And you can't stop him. Because God is love. He's going to love you no matter what. So you might as well just give up, surrender, and say, God loves me. You might as well walk in the love of Christ because it's simple. This book is so straightforward that don't let the devil twist it and make it difficult because it's not. Did you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? Did you call upon him to save your soul from hell? Then you are saved. Hallelujah. Because he promises it. Woo! Glory to God. Don't let the devil take that stuff from you. I want you to look if, if just read another verse. It says in verse 4, For if he that comes preach another Jesus whom we have not preached, or receive another spirit whom we have not received, or another gospel which you have not accepted, we might well, you might well bear with him. You might listen to him. For I suppose that I was not wit behind the chiefest of the apostles, but though I be rude in speech, yet not in knowledge. But we have been through thoroughly made manifest among you in all things. Look in verse 13 with me. It says, For such are false apostles deceitful workers transforming themselves in the apostle of Christ and no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into what an angel of light therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness whose end shall be according to the works you want to can I can I just share something with you certain things make me sick they make God there's things that make God sick what makes God sick? Warm. Say, lukewarm. Lukewarm. That's right. Well, it makes him sick, doesn't it? Makes him sick. 
He said, I'd rather you hate me. I'd rather you be cold as can be to me than be a lukewarm Christian. What's it doing? He said, I'll spew you out of my mouth. I'll throw you up. Ugh. Makes me sick. So there is things that makes God sick. You know what makes me sick? Churches that claim, well, <clears throat> excuse me, buildings that have a title of a church on them. They claim to be churches, and yet they have a rainbow flag out front. Amen. That makes, I'm going to throw up in my mouth. I had a conversation with a, with a, with a, with a, a friend who stopped coming to this church because they want to go find a church that's accepting to all homosexuals and accepting to all transvestites and that you can never talk bad about them because God loves them. And, I, and, I, and my, of course, I straightened them out a little bit. Uh, but with love, uh, you know, my point is, is, does God love everybody? Absolutely. Does God want anyone to stay the same? No. He doesn't want them to stay the same, just like he doesn't want you to stay the same. Amen? And what does the changing? Do you do the changing, or does God do the changing? God does the changing. So you need to be born again. So my point is, is that here we have all these churches. I just passed two of them last night. I went to the girls' recital. That one was a Presbyterian church, and one was a Methodist church, and they both had rainbow flags outside. And it made me sick. Sick. They're, they're celebrating something that's an abomination to God. That is another Jesus. That's another gospel. That is another spirit. Do you understand that? And, and that is them changing themselves, saying, yeah, we're the, we're the church. We're, this is what God likes. No marvel, it says, because Satan himself transformed himself into an angel of light. I'm telling you what, this is serious stuff because you're going to know people. You might be one of them. And I'm glad if I, if you are, I'm glad because you know what? If you think that you know more than this book, you're really messed up. If you think you're right and this book is wrong, then you're really messed up. And so you need somebody to care enough about you to tell you you're wrong. But thank God you can get right now. Just that's what repentance. Turn from that to God. Amen. In, in uh, Revelation chapter 12, if you'd go there with me, please. This is one of my favorite men's Bible study. We just finished this. Revelation chapter 12 is one of my favorite chapters. Hebrews chapter 12 is one of my favorite chapters. 12 means a lot in the Bible. 12 apostles. And if you would with me, please look in verse, um, I guess, 11. Well, yeah, 11. It says, and they overcame him. Talking about Satan. You see the very first one. Look on the first chapter. I'm sorry, the, the first verse, chapter 12. There appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed on the sun, the moon under her feet, and upon her head, the crown of 12 stars. And being with child, cried, travailing in birth, pain to be delivered. That's Jesus. And there appeared another wonder in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon, that's Satan, having seven heads, ten horns, seven crowns upon his head. And his tail drew a third part of the stars of heaven, their angels cast down. And he did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man child, that's Jesus, who was to rule all nations with the rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and was thrown. That means that he, he, he ascended into heaven. And the woman fled, that's the Jews. And, and if you look down in verse 7, it says, And there's war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought against his angels. So it tells you who the devils are. They're angels. They're spirits. Amen. And I want you to say all that because the devil wanted to kill Jesus, wanted to kill the, the Messiah, wanted to kill the, the, the Son of God. And the Son of God went up 
But thank goodness he didn't stay up. He sent down the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is in each and every one of us. And now we are called Christians. Amen. We are now the children of the Most High God. We are Christ on this earth. You understand that? So therefore, because he couldn't kill him, he wants to kill you. He wants to destroy you. He hates your guts. We have an adversary. We have an enemy. He is the devil. Do you understand that? And once the, once the church is taken up off this earth, that's when the devil now tries to get into heaven and take a war in heaven to, because we're no longer on the earth. Jesus is no longer on the earth. So his last ditch effort is to, just, is to attack heaven with all his angels. And of course that doesn't work out. He gets cast out. He gets stuck to this earth. His wings are clipped, so to speak. He cannot leave the earth. And once he's stuck there, and if it says this, if you look at me in verse 10, it says, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, This is all of us and everybody else in heaven. Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And this is what I want you to see. And they overcame him. This is how you overcome the devil. By the blood of the lamb... And by the word of their testimony, and they love not their lives unto death. I'm not going to get into that. It's a whole message in itself, a whole series. But the blood of the Lamb is how you overcome the devil. How do you overcome the devil? The blood of the Lamb. How do you overcome the devil? Say it, church. The blood of the Lamb. Where is the blood? It's in heaven on the mercy seat. Hebrews 12 says it's speaking for you, for you on your behalf. Jesus is your advocate. He's your lawyer. You can't lose a case with Jesus. You understand? When Jesus is your lawyer, you cannot lose. Amen. All you got to do is when you sin and you will, you go immediately, God, forgive me, Jesus. I'm sorry for doing that. And the lawyer says you're forgiven. It's gone. What's gone? The sin. And you can remind God of it. And God said, I don't know what you're talking about because I chose to forget it. Because he's omnipotent. He can literally forget. Because that's what he, he can do anything. And so not only are your sins washed under the blood of his son, powerfulest thing in all the universe, but that all you have to do is when you sin, come to him immediately. Don't wait a day, don't wait a week, because you, the adversary, your devil, goes to God and says, look what they did, look what Anton did, look what Fran did. Look, and then the God has to now allow him to attack you. He can't, he can't kill you, but he can mess your life up. Amen. He can get, your, get you all messed up. And when you start to get down and you start to get depressed, you're in a spiritual battle, Amen. And when you're getting down and you're getting depressed and you're getting angry and you're getting bothered and life doesn't seem to be happy anymore, you don't have that joy, amen, you don't have the peace and you're certainly not filled with love. Can I get an amen? Well then know for certainty that the devils are on your case and know for certainty that God allowed it. So therefore go in prayer, get to the secret place of prayer, bow your head and repent to God and, and, and confess all your sins to him and let him wash you and cleanse you. And then he protects you with the angels. But that's why there's a threefold God. We have God, the father, God, the word, God, the Holy spirit. You have a body, you have a soul, and you have a spirit. Amen. Let's just, not for doctrinal sake, but let's just go for easy teaching sake. Now, what, if, what if your body sins, but your spirit doesn't sin? Maybe God will allow the devil to attack your body like he did Job. What if your spirit sinned, but your body didn't sin? Maybe God will allow it to attack your spirit. What if your soul sinned, your desire or something was, was malicious and not good? Maybe God will let, you attack, let the devil attack your soul. Meaning feelings. How you feel. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can be in great spirits, but your body not being great. 
You can be in great body, but your spirit not be right. So maybe he, he lets, us atta- lets the devil attack us in all that area. That's why he gives us those three. The blood of Christ forgives all sins. That's how we overcome the devil. See, the devil can't say anything about you if you haven't sinned. And the only way you haven't sinned is if you come to God and confess it and say, Jesus, forgive me. I just said it's a bad word. Jesus, forgive me. I had a bad thought. Jesus, forgive me. I have bad attitude. Jesus, forgive me. I watched that thing. I heard that thing. I went to that place. Jesus, I did that thing. Whatever it is, you understand? In body, soul, or spirit, in the blood, bam, it's gone. The devil hates the blood. Second thing, he says, the word of your testimony. See, that's where, that's where the spiritual uh, warfare comes in, is that the, Jesus told us, and I'm going fast because I've already kind of went over this. Jesus said that if you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before my father. Father, Ron is talking about me. Then he said in Luke, he said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before the angels. What do they have to do with it? Angels are our ministering spirits. Angels are sent to fight our spiritual battles for us. So therefore, when you're confessing a testimony... Does anybody have a testimony in this room? Who doesn't have a testimony? Anybody not have a testimony? You know what that means? Testimony is? It means you got saved somehow. So you can testify how you got saved. If you don't have a testimony, you're not saved. You're not saved, you're going to hell. You better get saved. What are you waiting for? Are you crazy? Are you nuts? Seriously, you got to be insane not to get saved. It's a God. Jesus, save me. Okay. That's too hard. I don't know. I'm going to have to quit smoking, drinking, cursing, gambling. No, you have to know that that stuff's going to send you to hell. And you turn to God and say, save me. And then he'll save you. Amen. But your testimony, our testimonies are powerful, just like the blood. The blood forgives of our sins. And our testimony lets Jesus have have the authority in the word of God to tell the angels, whatever their names are. Hey, Anton's talking about me. Go. And then where Anton was getting attacked and where he was under the devil and he was having a bad day, all of a sudden the angels are guarding around. They're fighting off the devils. And all of a sudden angels, uh, Anton's feeling a little better. All of a sudden he's getting a little goosebump and another goosebump. And woo, glory, hallelujah. Let me tell you about Jesus, amen. Just you got to ha- keep your testimony strong. And the last one, because if the devil can't get you the blood and he can't get you because you're, you're, you're confessing Christ to everybody, then he's going to get you the one way in your desire of your heart. It says, and we, they love not their lives, even unto death. Let me just make it simple. What's the number one commandment? Love the Lord your God with what? Problem is, is we don't love God with all our hearts. We love ourselves with all our hearts. We care about what we want more than we care about what God wants. Can I get an amen? amen. So the devil will attack you on your things that you have. The devil will attack you on your possessions. The devil will attack you on things that, that you, that it really, in all reality, don't really mean a lot, even though they're comforting. They, I like them. I like heat. I like air conditioning. I like my refrigerator. Amen. Thank God. But that, I shouldn't care about that more than, than, than my own, than God or Christ. So when you love not your life, means what can the devil take from you? That's going to mess you up. See, the devil knows that you like things. And if he could take that thing from you, it'll mess you up, amen? But if you love, the, not, if you love not the things of this world, you, and you don't even love your own life, what, that's what the first apostles and Christians did. They gave their lives because they didn't care about the worst world. That's how you overcome the devil, amen? Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, verse 35. 
Jesus said, let your loins be girt about and let your lights be what? Dim? I can tell you're not there. Let your loins be girt about and let your lights be twinkling. Let your lights be a little amber. Let your lights be kind of dim bulbed. Lukewarm. No, burn it. Burn it. And that's what we need to do. We need to be a fire, on fire for God. We need revival. I need it. This church needs it. There's not a soul alive that doesn't need it. We need revival. And how do we do that? We, we do that by, by loving the Lord with all our hearts. Look in verse 34. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be. Amen. See, the devil knows where your heart really is. Amen. The devil knows the heart of man pretty good. And he knows what to, what to tempt you with. And I just want you to realize that we got to keep our loins gird about and our lights burning. You know what uh, the girding means? It means t- holding, bound in tight. You know what we need? We need truth. We need to keep the truth in our hearts more than anything else because truth gives us great strength. Amen? Truth gives us great strength. First Peter one thirteen says this. First Peter one thirteen says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind and be sober and hope, to the end, for the grace that is brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Gird up the loins of your mind. Gird up the loins of your guts. Gird up means bound in the truth of the word of God. Don't let it go. You ever get punched in the stomach when you weren't looking? That's what the devil likes to do. But if you, were, if you knew it was coming, see, I, I, I'm just saying this is all happening to me now. I've never been this old before. So uh, things start happening in your body that, you know, and I'm not used to. Well, I got a hernia. I, I never had anything like that. I got, a, I got a hernia right above my belly button. And I'm like, that's not cool. And because of that, like I, my stomach, I used to be able, I was thinking this in my head, Joe. I used to be able to get anybody. I don't care who it was. I, I even get, put up 100, but anyone could punch me in the stomach. Anyone didn't hurt. My stomach was like rock. I don't mean rippled rock. I mean, it was strong. Because in football, I would have a 300-pound coach jumping on my stomach. And, he, and, and my stomach was always strong. Now, like I, won't even, I don't even want the girls to punch me in the stomach because I got that hernia there. I feel weak. I feel like my, my loins are not gird about. You understand what I'm saying? I feel weaker. And it's like when you feel strong, when your lights are burning, when you got the power of God, when you got the, uh, the confidence of God, when your testimony is strong, when you're out preaching, when you're out witnessing, when you're on fire for God, when you're singing the songs, when you're, when you're reading the Bible and in your secret place of prayer and you have that, that truth in your heart burning, amen? That's like anyone could try to punch you anywhere and it doesn't even, you don't even feel it. Amen. The problem is, is the devil tries to get you weak. And that's what he means by gird uh, your loins about with truth and gird your mind out with truth because you got to realize it's not about physical things, it's about spiritual things and do not let the devil get you down. Because if he gets you down, he's winning and you're losing, amen? John 8, 32 says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Bible tells us that the breastplate of righteousness, that means the breastplate covers the heart. It protects our hearts. Guard it. Guard your heart. Because out of the heart, the Bible says, every issue of life flows. All your issues that you have is coming from your heart. So what does the devil want to do? He wants to punch you in the heart when you're not looking. He He wants to hurt you. 
He wants to get you down. You know, when you have, a, like I said, if you ever get a punch in the stomach when you weren't looking, it, it hurts like a lot. But if you're tight and your stomach's tight and they punch you, it's like, uh, it doesn't matter. You know, you're tough. But when you get hit in the heart, when your heart's not guarded, it's a tough blow. You get that phone call in the middle of the night. You get the, the, you get the diagnosis from the doctor. You find out your children are in trouble. You find out you lost your job. Find out it's Christmas. You don't have any money to buy presents. These things are a punch in the heart. But that isn't what's supposed to make us come down, is it? No. We're supposed to have the, the truth and the love of Christ gird, about, gird in our heart. That God, it's okay. It's going to be okay because God loves you. And it's going to be all right. You're just going through something. You'll get through it. Amen? And, and guess what? That's what faith is. And that's what pleases God. I want you to look in First Peter chapter 5 with me, please. Look in verse 8. It says, Be sober. Be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, the devil. Did you know you had an adversary? Do you know he hates your guts? He's after you? The devil. As a roaring lion. What do roaring lions do? Just think about it. Let's dissect a little bit. What do roaring lions, what does that represent? Come on. Think about it. What does a roaring lion represent? Thank you. Fear. Fear. He's not even there yet. He's not even around. You just, that, that something makes you afraid. You hear the roar afar off before the lion even gets there. You hear the roar in the, in the jungle and all of a sudden you're trembling and he's not even there yet. See what fear does? It makes you even messed up before he even gets there. And that's what the, where does the roar come from? The mouth. The word, of, the word of God comes from the word, mouth of God and the roar of the devil comes from his mouth. You understand? And what comes out of his mouth? Lies. And so what happens is, is whatever's making you afraid is a lie. It's a lie. 99.9% of it is a lie. So don't listen to it. So it says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, like, as a roaring lion, walketh about. That means he's walking. He can't be everywhere in one place, can he? Nope. He can only be in one place at one time because he walks around. He's not, on, he's not um, uh, uh, omnipresent. He's not God. You understand? He can only be in one place at one time. So if he's at one place, he's not at another place. Do you understand that? So, and in all reality, he doesn't care about you because you're doing nothing for the kingdom of God, really. You're just in the kingdom. You're not doing anything for it. He's after the people that are actually trying to do something for the kingdom. He's trying to stop them. That's why so many preachers fall into sin because the devil gets them and they don't guard themselves. That's why so many people that are, that are high up doing something for God are under the most attack. Us, little guys, devil, what's he care about us for? You know what I mean? And so, but my, my, once you think about that, he says, seeking whom he may devour. You want to know why he's seeking whom he may devour? Let me ask you a question. The Bible says that, that he, can t- he can devour us or take us at any time. That's how powerful he is. Like, that's how good he is. So why is he seeking who he can devour? I'll tell you why. Because he's looking for the weakest. That's what lions do. 
and they have a pack of antelope or, or this, they look for the weakest and the smallest and the, the, the slowest. You understand? The one who's not running with the pack. The one who's straggling behind. This is real, people. You think church is just a joke or you think church is just something you go visit to on Sunday? Church is the pack, amen? Church is the, is the house of God. It's a place of protection. You want to get outside the church? Then you're out there unexposed with the devil. He'll get you because you're straggler. You're outside of the pack, Amen? When you're in the pack, you're strong. You got a shepherd, you got a leader, you got the songs and praise and worship. You got the spirit of the living God. Hallelujah. He don't want no part of it. But if you're outside the church, I don't need church. I don't need to come. Oh, that's what he'll make sure you're a straggler. That's where he's looking for. Seeking who he can devour. Mean weak. So if you know he's looking for the weakest, what should you do? Stay strong. Be strong. Get strong. How do you get strong? Read your Bible. Stay close to God. Word, the Word of God. Jesus said you can't live without the Word. Amen. Read your Bible. How often should I read it, preacher? Every day. How, why do I say that? Because Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Amen. Your daily bread. Amen. So if you're not reading your Bible every day, you're weak. If you're not attending church every service, you're vulnerable. If you're not praying, you're in trouble. If you're not praising, if you're not worshiping, you're not doing the things that God's given us to make us strong, if you're not confessing your sin, if you're not having a testimony, and if you're caring more about the things you have than God, you're in trouble. Amen? Look at me if you would, please. Well, let me see. I'm going to go to um, um, verse 9. Wait a minute. Hold on. Okay, that's it. Yeah, look in verse 9. It says, whom resist, the devil he's talking about, resist, steadfast in the what? So you don't resist them in your own. I never did like this. I never did like it. Since I got saved and I'd hear certain people say, I rebuke you devil in the name of the Lord. They would rebuke the devil. And I, and I heard that as a young Christian and I'm like, okay, they know what they're talking about. I don't know, but I never liked that. And something inside me, because, you know, when I learned, you know what? We don't, re- we don't rebuke the devil. The Lord rebukes the devil. Amen. We don't read. Who are we? The devil smack you around, make you look silly. What did Michael the archangel say to devil himself? Michael the archangel, what did he say in the book of Jude? He said he dared not even bring a railing accusation against him. He just said, the devil, I mean, the Lord rebukes you, devil. And, and that's what it is. It's got to be the power of God. Because we get cocky. And what does cockiness lead? Pride. And that's what he wants. Look what it says. Whom resists steadfast. Steadfast in the what? Faith. Knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace who has called us into his eternal glory by Jesus Christ. After that you have suffered a while. Whoa, whoa, whoa. After you have suffered a while. Make you perfect. Established. Strengthen. And settle you. Why did God put that verse in there? Verse 10. Why is verse 10 in there? I'll tell you exactly why. Because he's talking about the devil in your case, isn't he? He's talking about your adversary. He's talking about the evil one. He's talking about why does, the, does God even let the devil do it? Because God, everything has a purpose. Everything. Even evil. Without evil, you'll never know the real good. Without evil, you'd never know how good you have it. Without being sick, you'd never know, appreciate being healthy. 
Without being weak, you'd never appreciate being strong. Without having joy, you'd never appreciate, and without having sorrow, you'd never appreciate the real joy. Everything has a purpose, and the devil has a purpose with God. God uses him. Look what it says in verse 10. But the God of all grace who has called us into eternal glory. Where did God call us to? Into heaven. Where did God call us to? Eternal glory. Now listen to me. I want listen close. It's not just meaning that we're going to be in the presence of his eternal glory, which we will. He is giving us eternal glory. Not it doesn't mean that I'm going to be translated into heaven one day in the presence of his eternal glory. God is giving us our own eternal glory. Do you understand that? So because he's giving us eternal glory, because he's called us his own, because he's made us his, his bride, his chosen, because he's giving us a body just like his, because all the, the inheritance that he's giving us is his inheritance, we're going to have our own eternal glory. Because of that, we have got to, got to go through some things to be tested, tried, and made pure. Look what he said, that the, the God of all grace who has called us into his eternal glory by Jesus Christ after you have suffered a while. Jesus suffered that he could be claimed eternal glory because he suffered and was tempted above everybody's temptation yet without sin. Because of that, God has given him a name is above every name and given him all power and all glory and he sits on the majesty on the throne of high and he gives to every... See, the, the sufferings that you go through have a purpose. Look what it says. After you suffered a while, that's when I'll make you perfect. And then he says, established, strengthened, and settled. If you're established and strengthened and settled, the devil can't touch you. You're like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. And whatsoever, it says, and, and your leaves will never fade. And it says you produce fruit in your season and whatsoever you do shall prosper. Because you're rooted, grounded, and settled in the faith of Jesus Christ. And nothing can move you. Nothing can move you. Nothing. Not a hurricane. Not an earthquake. Not a tsunami. Nothing can move you. That's what God wants. You'll never get there until you suffer for a while. Because if you can't take it through a little bit of suffering, how are you going to take through big suffering? If you can't take one time suffering, how are you going to take the rest of your life suffering? I'm just here to tell you that suffering is a part of God. Let me say, I'm out of time. I really wanted to get to Job next week. We're going to look at Job. Okay? Amen. Let's, uh, let's, let's close in prayer. Almighty God and Father, in the name of Jesus Christ the Lord, whom we bow, whom we honor and worship as Lord of all. He is our Savior. He has saved us. He has sealed us. And He has strengthened us with all might according to Your glorious power. We have been given everything we need on this earth to grow, to be strengthened, strong, to be everything you want us to be. Help us, Lord God. Water us. Protect us. Give unto us that knowledge that we need to continue in this world until you call us home. Help us to be strong. Help us to to fight the devil. Help us to defend others. Help us to be there to help others, Lord. We love you. Thank you for the church. Please bless the service ahead. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Service will be in 10 minutes.